0: Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrictchurch. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info@thedistrictchurch. At Last week we uh, were touching on the topic of what is our inheritance uh, when, when we become believers, when we get adopted into the family of God. What what is it that we ultimately get to receive? From God, and, and we looked at a couple of things there, and, and the reason why I want to mention a little bit of this from last week is because it does flow into our topic today of sanctification. But a couple of those things that, that we talked about last week from an inheritance standpoint is, one, is that, um, that literally he is conforming us to the image of God. That is part of our inheritance is that God is transforming us. We see see this throughout all of the scriptures. We see this in Romans 12 specifically where it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, which is is to kind of model after, um, to to mold something from the outside in. Don't be modeled after this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. The word there is metamorpho. That means a transformation from within uh, to ultimately change what's going on outside of you as well well. And so this transformation is a conforming to the image of Christ. This is a daily, hourly, second by second, weekly process, yearly process where God is literally shaping us from our new identity in Christ. And he is conforming us. He's making us into the image of Jesus. That's part of our inheritance that we receive from the Lord when he saves us. That's not something that we have to wait for one day in glory. Like a lot of times we talk about that. I can't wait till I get that glorified body that we talked about last week. Yes, that's important. Yes, every single one of us are looking forward to that day that we get that glorified body, just like Jesus has. However, there's something that we get here and now as a part of our inheritance. We also talked last week a part of the inheritance is the fact that we will inherit everything. It literally says in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, All is yours for those who are in Christ. Blessed are the meek in Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the earth. Literally, We know God created two things, the heavens and the earth. And it says, for those who are blessed, for those who are in the family of God, those are theirs, the earth and the heavens. We will one day, alongside of Jesus, rule and reign over everything as our inheritance. But again, that's still future tense. That's still looking ahead at what's going to happen there. So what do we receive now from the Lord What is, once we become believers and we're trusting in the gospel, we're trusting in Christ and what he's accomplished for us, what do we receive from him every single day, every single hour, every single second? And what we receive from him is the work of, of sanctification on our hearts, on our minds, on our souls, on our spirits, literally our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, everything that makes up my life, God is sanctifying every single day. And so this is what we want to talk about today is this idea of sanctification. I'm gonna read our statement of faith. This is the Believe series. And so we're walking through our statement of faith as a church. And this is what we believe as a church when it comes to what God is doing amongst our sanctification. This is what the statement says. The Holy Spirit is the active agent in our sanctification and seeks to produce his fruit in us as our minds are renewed and we are conformed to the image of Christ. Though indwelling sin remains a reality, we are led by the Spirit as we grow in the knowledge of the Lord. We freely keep His commandments and endeavor to so live in the world that all people may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. All believers are exhorted to persevere in the faith, knowing that they will have to give an account to God for their every thought, every word, and every deed. Our joyful obedience towards the spiritual disciplines of, but not limited to, Bible study and meditation, prayer and fasting, confession and repentance are a vital means of grace in this regard, leading to our pursuit of holiness. Nevertheless, the believer's ultimate confidence to persevere is based in the sure promise of God to preserve his people until the end, which is most certain. So what is our idea of sanctification? It's simply that. God's work amidst our lives daily to make us more and more like his son Jesus. The beauty of that is, and and yes, as Josh kind of alluded to earlier in the adoration, a beauty of this is, is that it's not all completely dependent upon us. I mean, how many times do we look at the Christian life as our responsibility in order for God to do something for us? Like, what that definition actually is, is just karma. As long as I do something good, good's going to come to me. As long as I do something for God, God's then going to do something for me. And the reality is, if that wasn't true in our salvation, If we didn't do anything to earn God's favor, to earn God's pursuit of us, to earn God's salvation over us, then we're not going to do anything in order to earn God's sanctification in our lives. There's nothing I can do today that would make or force God to conform me more to the image of Jesus Christ. That, the beauty of it, that is completely and totally dependent on what God wants to do with me. That should produce rest in us. That my sanctification is not dictated upon my will, but rather the will of him the will of the Father who is working in my heart and in my mind and my soul. He's working in the struggles that I have with my own flesh. He's working in the struggles that I have with my indwelling sin. He's working in those things to reveal those things to me to both bring to the surface the hope that I'm placing uh, or where I'm trusting and placing my hope in something that's not God. He's bringing those things to the surface, revealing them to me, providing conviction for me to see those things. And then at the same time, he's also providing the grace and the faith to believe and trust that he is working in those things. Not only is he working in those things, but he's more powerful than those things. And so as we talked about last week, part of our inheritance is that we now have the ability to put to death the deeds of the body. As Romans 8 says, we're able to look at the sin that dwells within our life and we're able to say, no longer does that have master over me, but I can actually put it to death. I can get rid of it. I can say no to sin. And I can say yes to Jesus. I can say no to whatever is entangling me, whatever is robbing me of my joy that I get to experience every day walking with the Lord Whatever's robbing me of that, I get to say no to it and say yes to him. Because God's providing me the opportunity to do that. God's providing me the strength and the grace to be able to do that. Romans 12, as it says in verses 1 and 2, that daily we are being renewed in the Spirit. That our minds are being renewed daily in what the Lord is doing for us. What God is ultimately producing within us. And the reason why it's daily rather than like, hey, yeah, every Easter and Christmas, the Lord's going to remind us of his goodness, and so let's live on that. No, he's saying daily I'm, I'm doing this because daily sanctification is at work in our hearts. It's not something where, think about it in terms of, of a gym membership, all right? A while back when we, when we first moved here, we went to um, Planet Fitness, and we got a gym membership. If you're anti-Planet Fitness, that's fine. It's cheap, all right? Like, there, there's no judgment there, so don't judge me, okay? Like, that's, that's their motto, okay? Um, but anyways, we, we, we walk in, we, we get a, a membership there. Now, Planet Fitness would consider me a member of the family of Planet Fitness, right? Primarily because I give them $10 a month for that membership. But they consider me in the family. Now, am I going to benefit anything from that family if I don't work out there? Like if I don't participate in what's going on there on a daily or weekly, maybe a couple times a week basis, am I ever going to see any fruit from being a part of the family? No, I'm not. But yet so many times we as Christians, we say we're a part of the family, we're a part of the church, we attend this church, we attend that church, yet there's there's no transformation happening within us. There's no conforming to Christ in us because daily, hourly, second by second, we're not tapping into all that God has for us when it comes to working out our sanctification. Now I am starting to talk about a little bit of responsibility here. Because the reality is, if I never pick up my Bible, I'm never going to know more about who Jesus is. There's not like, like how Jesus revealed himself to Paul and there's this divine revelation. like That's not happening anymore. Because it doesn't have to happen that way anymore. He revealed to us through the prophets of old, through the apostles of the new, he revealed to us all that God wants to use in order to work out our salvation from justification to glorification, as he says in Romans 8. God's working out that entire process, and the way in which he's working that out is through certain communication forms that he is using with us, primarily Bible and prayer. Bible and prayer. When we say we're conforming to the image of Christ, okay, Christ has an image. Christ has a, a, an identity. Christ has ways in which He thinks. He has ways in which He speaks. He has ways in which He serves. He has ways in which He interacts with other, uh, with other people. He has ways in which He deals with sin. He has ways in which he deals with temptation. He literally has ways in which he deals with everything that we experience every single day. How then do I get to know those things that Jesus experienced? He's provided it to us in the word of God. The word of God is one of the primary ways in which God sanctifies us on a daily basis. Just like on a daily basis, in order for you to survive You've got to eat food, right? You've got to drink water or root beer. Like, you need those things in order to survive. Try going without for 40 days and see what happens. It's not going to go well for you. Same thing is with our spiritual soul. As we are growing into the image of who Jesus is, we have to feed that image, we have to feed that identity. It's what we, we often say, it's becoming what you already are. When we become Christians, he deposits within us the full identity of Jesus Christ so that when God looks at us, he says, this is my son or this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. That happens at salvation. That happens in an instance. The beauty of that is that from that moment on, we will never disappoint the Lord. He will never be angry at us. He will never be frustrated with us. Why? Because all of those types of emotions are poured out towards sin. Frustration, anger, wrath, all of those things have been poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. So my past sins, my present sins, my future stumbles... All of those things, God's wrath has already poured it out on Jesus on the cross. Therefore, when he saves me in that moment, I am infinitely pleased in God's eyes. Never again will I upset him. Never again will I disappoint him. However, do we not think daily at times that we're upsetting the Lord? Daily at times that we're frustrating him daily, that he's upset with us. And what do we want to do? We want to run. We don't want to go to the word of God. We want to run from the word of God because it's going to reveal the fact that we messed up, that he's upset at us, that he's mad. And that's, that's not the truth. All that is is Satan and the enemy looking at us and telling us your parents in the garden when they messed up, what they do? They ran and hid. That's exactly what you should do. You should run and hide because God's going to be upset with you. He's going to come after you. And what does God do? God shows us the picture of the prodigal son when he says, no, you are my son. You will always be my son because of what I've done with Jesus Christ. And because you're my son, it doesn't matter how often you squander the inheritance. It doesn't matter how often you squander anything that I have done for you. I'm going to run to you and I'm going to clothe you and I'm going to put rings on your fingers. I'm going to throw a party, a celebration because... I'm already pleased with you. You already possess everything that you need in order for me to be pleased with you. So let's begin working that out now. Let's begin helping you grow in this identity that you already possess. This is the already not yet. This is the the pot of soup that I've talked about before. Like you got a pot of soup, you throw all the ingredients in it and you put it on the stove. Well, no one's going to eat it right in that moment. No, it needs to take some time to, to crockpot, as we say in the South. Like It needs to take some time to, to work itself out and get all those flavors intermingling with one another so that it becomes eventually a delicious meal to partake of. The same thing is with us. Is He's deposited all the ingredients of what it means to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. All the fruit of the Spirit is already within us, so now He's working it out in us. This is why he's called us to stir up the affections of one another to exhort one another to encourage one another when we get off track he tells us hey rebuke each other in love go to one another and say hey that's not who you are who you are as a child of God and the way a child of God acts and thinks and responds is this way it's not condemning one another but rather it's just reminding each other who we are in Christ and saying, hey, hey, that doesn't lead to joy. This leads to joy. This leads to, to getting to experience him in a fuller way every single day. We're after joy. Sanctification leads one of two ways. You're either going to be sanctified by God on a daily basis, receiving joy for that day, or you're going to run from God and rob yourself of all the joys that were meant to have, that you were meant to possess for that day. Grieving the Holy Spirit as a believer in Christ is not him pouring his wrath out on you when you sin. It's him coming to you and saying, man, you missed out today. You missed out. You you took this temporary sin for instant gratification where if you would have trusted me here and persevered, even though it was painful, if you would have persevered here, man, the joy that you would have received on that day would have been beautiful. Beautiful. Think about it. I mean, like, the reason why a lot of people don't go to the gym is because it's discomfort. (laughs) But no one after going to the gym over the next couple of days is thinking, man, I wish I would have never done that. No one ever thinks that, unless you, like, broke your leg there. But, like, no one ever thinks that. I mean, like, there's a strange pattern to this idea of sanctification, it's a difficult process. Think about Listen to all these different examples. Healthy, nutritious food often requires discipline to prepare and eat while junk food is convenient, tasty, and addictive. Keeping the body healthy and strong requires frequent, deliberate discomfort while it only takes constant comfort to sit on the couch and do nothing. You have to make yourself pick up that nourishing but intellectually challenging book while popping in a DVD or watching a Netflix show easy and inviting, and it's really just coasting downhill. You frequently have to force yourself to get to devotions and prayer while sleeping in or reading the sports or checking Facebook is almost effortless. Learning to skillfully play beautiful music requires thousands of hours of tedious practice. Excelling in sports requires monotonous drills of the basics over and over and over again. Learning to write well requires writing, 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 and then rewriting, rewriting, and rewriting, and then usually just a ton of reading. It takes years and years of schooling just to make certain vocational opportunities possible. You get the idea. The pattern is this. The greater joys are obtained through struggle and difficulty and pain while brief, unsatisfying, and often destructive joys are right at our fingertips. Why is this? Why struggle and difficulty and pain in order for great outcomes? Because God in great mercy is showing us everywhere in things that are just shadows of heavenly realities that there's a great reward for those who struggle through and persevere. There's a great reward for those who struggle through and persevere. We talked about that last week. Inheritance, we are heirs with God, fellow heirs with Christ in Romans 8. And then it says, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. We wish that wasn't in there, but that's just part of the gig this life is going to produce for us suffering and trials and pain and turmoil. And it's going to be produced for us so that as we trust the Lord in those trials, in those, in those struggles, in those pains, as we're relying on him through that process, he is conforming us to the image of Christ so that when we come out on the other side, we have a completely new perspective on life. Life is no longer just about me and what I attain and what I receive and what I get. But rather, it's what's being produced in me that changes the way in which I interact with those who are around me. Nowhere in Scripture, other than when Paul is talking about his relationship with Jesus, does he talk about joy and what he's receiving other than his interaction with others constantly he's saying make my joy complete by interacting with others ultimately coming to the conformity of Christ like when he's praying when he's writing letters to the other churches all he's constantly telling them is what gets me excited is seeing you trust in Christ seeing you come to Christ what, like, I don't care like in Philippians chapter 4 um, verses 16 through 19, Paul's writing to, to the church in Philippi and he's thanking them for the partnership of helping him plant the church in Thessalonica. He's saying, you sent me resources, you sent me gifts in order for me to go to the Thessalonians and plant a congregation there, plant the gospel there. And what Paul says is, I'm not thanking you for the gift that you gave me, but rather I'm thanking you for the fruit of that gift, which was namely Christ being proclaimed and people coming to know him in Thessalonica. It'd be so easy for us just to say to partners who support our church, thank you so much for sending money to support our church plant. No, no, no. The way I respond to them is thank you so much for the disciples who are being made in Indianapolis because of your support to us. Because that's what we care about. That's what gives me the most joy is not partners coming on board and just providing resources to us, but knowing that those resources are going to channel further in order for other people in Indianapolis to be able to come to know Jesus, to begin conforming to the image of Jesus and receiving the joy of relationship with him every single day. That's church. And for us, a part of our sanctification isn't just how can I work on myself? but rather, Jesus, can you work in me so that my thoughts, my actions, my deeds, my perspective on life begins to turn me outward so that I can see the needs of those who are around me. God, change and transform me so that I can be a resource to those who are around me who need the gospel of Jesus, who need the good news, who need hope for their day. This is reality, guys. We are working out. The salvation daily. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see this um, in scripture, and I want you to see two things primarily, what God is doing and then what he's required of us in this process. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 12, and then I'm going to give you the context around it after that. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's writing to this Philippian church, this very generous church who helps him plant other churches in other areas of of the, the, the region there. Paul's writing to them and he's urging them, guys, you're not done. Keep working out your salvation. As you've already obeyed, keep obeying. Keep submitting yourself to the obedience of God ultimately changing and transforming you. He wants us to see that this is a process, not just a destination that happens at one time. So many times, and I've been a part, I've I've preached this in the past. Just come to Christ and your life will be great. It's not true. Come to Christ and your identity will be made right. But doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to be fantastic in any type of material or health, wealth, prosperity, or anything along those lines. But come to Christ and joy will be made complete in your life. It's not tied to materials. It's not tied to how big or small your house is or how many cars you have or don't have or break down or never break down. None of it's ever tied to those things. Circumstances do not produce our joy. Circumstances give us an opportunity to respond in a way that produces joy for us. Because those circumstances are producing, are we running to God or running away from Him? Look at this context here, backing it up to verse 5. As Paul is talking about preaching, proclaiming to this church who they should be in Christ. He says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. So think about that. He's telling them to do something which they already have. Have this mind among yourselves. Think this way in a way in which you already think. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I want to stop there for just a second. Christ himself, greatest person who's ever lived. Greatest person who's ever lived from a human standpoint saw that obedience was necessary. I mean, think about that. He's perfect. Why need to be obedient to anybody? Because he knew that his identity that produced his obedience was ultimately tied to his relationship with his father. Christ's submission to the father, that relationship, that trusting, that faith, that believing in who the father was for Christ is what produces for him perfect obedience. So for us, it is never tied to, can I muster up the ability to be able to be obedient to God? No. Our issue with whether or not we, 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 we are obedient to him is always going to be pulled back to whether or not we believe him. We believe he is who he says he is. If we believe he is who he says he is, then we'll run to him rather than running away from him. If we believe that reading Scripture is going to produce in us a joy that is going to be unwavering, if we believe that, then you you would be in Scripture every single day. If we believe that proclaiming and sharing the gospel provides an opportunity for other people to come to salvation, then we would proclaim and share the gospel every single day. Or as often as the opportunity presents itself to us. It's, it's never an issue of whether or not we, we, we think we have the ability to do it, but rather it's an issue on whether or not we're trusting God in those moments. I mean, I use this illustration so many times, but it's like the, 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 the man in Scripture who had the daughter who was sick, and he brought her to the Lord and said, My daughter is sick. Can you heal her? And Jesus is like, What do you mean, can I? And the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I know you can, but there's still times I think you won't. I think we struggle with that every single day. Am I not right? Like, I know I struggle with that every single day. As a pastor of a church, I still struggle with, God, will you do that? If I share the gospel with this person, will you save them? We struggle with that As you've always obeyed. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In light of what Jesus has done, therefore, we should obey. Because look at who he is and look at what he's accomplished, look what he's done for us. He made himself obedient to the Lord to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of his obedience, let's trust. Let's rely on him. Let's run to him when we find ourselves running the other direction. That's all repentance is. is We're running from God and he's saying, turn and run to me. I've got all the answers. I've got all the ability that you need. I've got all the grace that is sufficient for you every single day to be sanctified. Run to me, not away from me. Trust me, rely on me, believe in me. Because verse 13 says, for it is God who is working in us. It's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Guys, that's that right there. Should produce for us, should stir up our affection every single day that, yes, he calls me to obedience, but it is him who is promising that he's working in me to both will and to work. Those are two separate things. He's producing in me an affection to want to trust him. That's the will within us. And he's also producing within me the skills, talents, and abilities to then work for his good pleasure. God's doing that. I don't have to do that. I don't have to figure that out. God's doing that in me. He's working out my salvation with fear and trembling, even though he tells me to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. What he's saying is, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, And I'm going to give you rest. The way that I'm going to give you rest is by producing within you a heart that has affections and is stirred up for me. Not only is it a heart that has affections and is stirred up for me, but that's going to produce actions that are serving me by serving the people that are around you. God's producing those things. And then he draws us to scripture because scripture gives us the design in which our hearts are to have affections and the way in which we are to work out um, loving those who are around us. Basically it says, if you want to know how to love God and love others, go to scripture and see how Jesus loved God and how he loved others. That's as simple as you could put it into just what church is. Loving God, loving others. Let's go to the scriptures and see how Jesus loved God and loved others. And then the beauty is he doesn't just leave us there based on Jesus' life and and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, but then he gives us the epistles that begin to elaborate on how the church can now organizationally function as it begins to work out all of those identities that are within Jesus, both his affections and his work. This is sanctification being stirred up within us every single day. He's reminding us, to walk by faith in a promised future. He's promised to us. This is what I'm doing in you. So trust me, come to me. Come to my word, read my word, meditate on my word day and night. I still think the thing we battle with, that we war with every day, is we just don't feel like it, right? I mean, how many of us just don't feel like it? I mean, there's a lot of times that for a sermon on sanctification this week, I didn't feel like preparing a sermon on sanctification this week. I mean, all kinds of just convictions running through my mind this week when it came to this topic of like, I don't feel like I should be able to do this because I don't feel worthy to be able to talk about sanctification because my own sanctification is just jacked up. Because I I feel myself daily warring with ambition. Like, do I want to? Well, of course I want to do this, but now I don't feel like I want to do this. Well, now I'm struggling with how I feel and I shouldn't all be all about feel. It should be about knowledge. And so now I'm warring with knowledge. Well, do I have enough knowledge? Because my knowledge isn't producing feelings within me. And it's just this constant cycle around me and God's thinking, chill out. (laughs) Chill out. I'm working in you. I'm moving. It doesn't matter how much scripture you read based on how much I'm producing within you because the beauty is is I've put people around you who are preaching scripture into you every single day. I've, I've given you sermons and messages that you yourself are going to have to practice even though when you preach it, you're not doing it. Every single day, the Lord is having to provide me a grace that I'm right there with you guys, figuring this thing out called sanctification. And the beauty is, is it doesn't have to be figured out today because he's going to be working in me tomorrow and he's going to be working in me the next day and he is working in me right now. Even though right now I find myself, I find myself in a season where I'm just weary. I find myself in a season where where I'm looking around and I'm looking at our church as a, we moved here just over two years ago and we started a small group in a house about 18 months ago and we launched in this theater just over a year ago and I'm finding myself looking at it thinking, Man, are all the days going to be like this? Are all the days going to be just difficult and like just juggling everything that's around me and having to wear so many hats? Like I don't get, the, I don't get like all my other friends who have these large churches who get to wear one hat and they're like, I get to spend 30 hours a week planning on a sermon. What does that even look like? if I spent thirty hours a week, I'm gonna work a seventy hour work week because there's so many other things that I gotta juggle when it comes to planting a church and I began thinking about those things and then this week, in God's working out my own salvation and working out my own fear and trembling, Good old time hop on Facebook produces this picture for me and Josh you can go ahead and put it up on the screen This picture it was like two years ago today this is this is what we were doing. And I am kind of got the hipster hat going on there. Glad I moved out of that stage. But, but when we moved here, two years ago, from this last whatever it was, Monday or Tuesday, this is all we knew of Indianapolis. These were the only people we knew. Ryan and Drew Wilkins and Alexa and Jordan Duran. We met the Wilkins literally within about three weeks of of being here. Actually, when we met them, we didn't even have Ezra yet. Kelsey looked like what she looks like right now. And at that time, like I look back on that and I'm like, wow. Even though that was two years ago, God, you've done a lot of stuff. You've, You've gone from six and a half people to 46 people, 47 people. God, you are, you are working this thing out amidst us and I, even though I feel weary constantly, maybe that weariness is meant to produce within me a, a greater reliance on what you are doing because if I didn't grow weary, maybe I would be thinking, I've got this, we're good. But God, you're working this thing out. It's slow growth. No one in this room is surprised by that. Church planting is slow growth, especially when you parachute in a city and don't know anybody. It's slow growth. But last time I checked, when it came to sanctification, slow is healthy. Slow is healthy. Because I would count any one of those people on the screen as best friends of mine at this point. I would entrust our children to them. In in times where where I just need a word of encouragement, I need exhortation. I would absolutely give them a call and say, "I need I need something." Like just come over, give me a hug, bring me some food, like give me some scripture. Like I I need something in my soul, and I guarantee they would be there for it. That doesn't happen within a month. That doesn't happen within six months. That happens slowly over time, investing in one another. And God, for us as a church, I I get this question from you more than any. What's next? And what I say and what I keep saying is you are what's next. I'm not going to move on to some type of marketing strategy. I'm not going to try to make this thing fancy. I don't even know how to do that. That's not in my giftings and abilities to be creative and illustrative, but what I know to do is go to the Scriptures and look at who Christ is and say, this is who Christ is in you, and so let's go there. Let's get to the soul level. Let's get to the heart level. Why are you trusting these things rather than trusting Christ? And how can we begin multiplying that? How can we get you trusting in Christ greater in these areas so that when other people come around you, you're able to pour into them in the same way? And we begin multiplying that type of idea. How can we love and serve one another and help in this process of sanctification daily our exhortation of one another, our spurring one another on to love and good deeds? Like Think about that passage. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. So part of my role and my responsibility is to to help do for you something that God's already doing in you. God's already willing and working in you and those two things are tied to love and good deeds yet he wants me to also encourage what he's already doing in you. All that is is me just reminding you hey, God's working in you. Hey, God's there. God's already dealing with whatever circumstances are going on in your life right now where you feel inadequate, where you don't feel equipped, where you feel like the pains and just just life in general is just weighing down on you. God's already in that working. He's already sanctifying. He's already setting you apart. Because he's producing something in you that is going to receive the utmost joy that is to be had. We each need it. We need it every single day. What that really boils down to is the heart of intimacy with the Lord. And, and here's, here's kind of the way, we're closing early today, but here's kind of the way that I want to, to finish this out when it comes around the idea of intimacy. You have total freedom total freedom in your relationship with God on the amount of time you spend with him when it comes to reading his word when it comes to meditating when it comes to fasting when it comes to praying any of those things there's no prescription that we have to give you as leaders to say here's what you should do on a daily basis like guys I'll be I'll be one of the first ones to tell you um, and, and Jen Wilkins, she's a writer uh, down at the Village Church in Texas. Um, she, she actually put out a video blog just recently uh, that said, one of the worst things that you can do for your Christian life is have a 10-minute quiet time. One of the worst things that you can do for your Christian life is devote 10 minutes a day as a quiet time. Because think about that just from a physical standpoint. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat 10 minutes a day, and that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to survive on that. Or you have 10 minutes to be able to drink some fluids. That's it. That's all you get, 10 minutes. Drink some fluids, eat some food. We've compartmentalized Christianity down to this idea of that we can fix everything in within 10 minutes, and God's then going to move in that time in order to then change our entire day. And that's not True. That's not a reality. That's why we went through the Abide series throughout the summertime is because we have to yearly, monthly, daily, hourly, minute by minute, second by second, have reminders of who Christ is in our lives. The reason why 10 minutes doesn't work for me is because if I do 10 minutes at 6 a.m. in the morning, which never happens, if I do 10 minutes at 9 a.m. in the morning, By one o'clock in the afternoon, I do not remember. I do not remember what I read or what I prayed. And so one of the disciplines that I do for myself is that I actually set reminders. When I read in the morning, I'll then use my little personal assistant, Siri, and I'll say, Siri, at one o'clock, remind me of this truth. And then at one o'clock, it'll pop up and Siri's preaching me the gospel. (laughs) It's beauty. But rather, what Jen Wilkin would say is instead of trying to do 10 minutes a day, take twice a week and just spend an hour with the Lord. One of the reasons why we're so biblically illiterate is because we try to compartmentalize it down to just a verse here or two verses there, and we actually don't get to see the beauty of content, context. We don't get to see chunks. We don't get to see um, characters involved within the stories. We don't get to do inductive Bible study. We don't get to see the meat. We're literally just taking a, a piece of the appetizer and then hoping that that will sustain us throughout the day. So start in chunks and then work your way up from there. Maybe you'll be able to get to a place where daily you're in chunks, but set reminders for yourself. Hourly, daily. Like, for example, on my phone, if you pull up my screen, there's a verse, it's John 15:1 and 2 still. It's to remind me every single day that I need to, every time I open my phone, and I mean, how many times do we do that? <laughs> I think they, they said now it's like about 1,000 times a day you'll literally pull your phone out and look at it. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's a 1,000 times a day that every time I pull it out, I'm looking and I'm seeing He's our vine. And connect. Connect to Him. Trust in Him. Rely on Him. In this moment, in this hour, in this weariness that you're feeling, trust in him. He's working in you. He's, he's already like, you have a father. The reason why I love that it talks about the, the father being the vine dresser and Jesus being the vine is they have separate roles. Jesus is the one who we are to connect to and stay tied to in anything and everything because he is our identity. But the beauty is the vine dresser is coming in and saying, he's coming in and he's, he's working, he's cutting off branches that are not producing fruit. He's cutting off areas in my heart and in my soul that are not producing fruit, that are not producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, all those things. The things that are robbing me of joy, he's convicting me and saying, man, cut those things off. I can think of things right now that he's telling me to cut off that I'm still holding on to, but man, those those temporary satisfactions, gratitude, like I, I still like those temporary things, and he's saying, no, cut them off. You're robbing yourself of a greater joy. Free yourself daily to not feel like you have to. That's it. Fill in the blank. I don't have to whatever in order for God to love me and do something in me. He already is. So run to the scriptures to see what He's already doing. Run to prayer to communicate with him what he's already doing. Run to others to encourage them what he's already doing. Because we all need that. We all need that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love. Because God, we know that it's out of your love that you are pursuing us It's out of your love that you came into the domain of darkness. And in the domain of darkness, you found us. And there, we were hopeless. We were helpless. There was nothing that we could do. But God, you came to us and you picked us up. And you justified us because of your son, Jesus. You declared us pardoned in the courtroom you declared us free to go, but the, the great thing is that you not only just declared us free to go, but you adopted and brought us home. And in bringing us home, you said, All of this, all that I possess, every spiritual blessing that you find in my son Jesus is at your disposal, it's at your fingertips. Come and read it in the scriptures. Pray, encourage those around you. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're doing in us. We thank you that working out our own salvation with fear and trembling is not something that is based on our own abilities. It's not based on the quality of our faith. It's, It's all based on the quality of our Savior, Jesus himself. God, you are so good. You are so good for what you do. And as we close out this service, God, we want to give you the praise that you deserve. Knowing that we're expressing this worship with half-hearted praise because we still struggle with not believing it to be true. But God, we pray that your spirit would come into this place and would just transform our hearts and affections, that we would get to experience a greater sense of worship and adoration of who you are. Produce that within us. Move your Holy Spirit within our hearts, within our affections, within our souls, our spirits, our minds. And God, as we prepare for communion, we're just thankful for Jesus. For making this all possible. He was obedient to the point of death. Death on a cross. By breaking his body and shedding his blood, he is the way. He's provided for us all that we need. Help us to grow in that every single day. Help us to be reminded of his sacrifice every single day. Help us to be reminded of his suffering that looks light and momentary in comparison to the glory that we're going to receive one day. Help us to have that perspective in our own lives that when we see difficult circumstances around us, that we would see those as light and momentary. And that we would trust you in those moments. And that we would bring those things to you. And that the joy that we receive from trusting you in those things would, would create a yoke over us that's easy. God, let's, let's worship you. Let's praise you. For you are glorious. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at infothedistrict.church? At